0: Hi, welcome back to Make 2 I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Arment. And we're joined by Josh Millard, who runs Metafilter, but primarily, f- for me, I guess, is also an amazing artist who uh, kind of makes my brain hurt with all the geometric <laughs> stuff that he does. Do you want to tell us anything else about yourself before we start um, pestering you with questions?
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, well, it's Millard, but we are friends from the internet who rarely get a chance to communicate via anything other than text
0: i i I was thinking that maybe i should ask and then i forgot it's
1: it's it's one of those things it always happens um no it's uh yeah i i i run metafilter and i make a lot of art and uh i've been making a lot of art the last few years especially and that's been a whole sort of big thing for me and uh and yeah I've, i've also been you know long time listener first time uh collar. So uh, <laughs> it's exciting to be here. I don't know. It's nice to, nice to get to chat with you guys.
0: That, that's funny because my first question was, have you always been like a creative or artsy person? So is that a yes or no then?
1: I'd say yes. Um, I guess. So this is... I, there, are, there are a number of things that you guys discussed in previous podcast episodes that like come into this answer, I guess. But I've been a creative person uh, definitely my, my, my whole life. I grew up, my, my family was sort of musical and graphic art stuff going on uh, from one or another kid and my parents. Uh, so I, I grew up like sort of competing with my sister for drawing um, and I was drawing rocket ships and she was drawing horses and she got better at drawing sooner and really went for it uh well horses sort of are got... a
2: lot more difficult than
0: rocket ships i mean it is the,
1: it's you know there's the, i i definitely <laughs> like the fact that i could like do gradients on cylinders to make a nice rocket ship without having to get more complicated about my yeah, form, ro- rocket ships
0: know. don't have like elbows and knees that are all yeah in try the doing place. gradient yeah. on a horse yeah, yeah no seriously <laughs> i
1: i i drew a horse so this is this, this is sort of like the the art culture in my family growing up my parents were never like hard asses about you must achieve this or that so we did art stuff because we liked art stuff my mom played music. Um, and i I sort of picked up music from that, but my sister and I uh, were both drawing in you know grade school era, and we went to the same elementary school she was a couple years ahead of me in school. And the year she went on to middle school, she went off to sixth grade and I went into the fourth grade at our our grade school. It was the Chinese year of the horse and there was a school-wide drawing competition and I won it with a drawing of a horse that I'm going to say as a (laughs) nine-year-old who wasn't obsessed with horses, (laughs) I did a pretty good job. As an adult looking back on it, it kind of looks like a wiener dog, but uh, like proportionally. (laughs) uh, But my sister who loved horses and was obsessed with drawing them was just so angry at me for I think literal years on this specific front that I won a horse drawing competition because she had gone on to middle school and wasn't there to clearly be the one to totally trounce that uh, horse drawing competition so there was like there was art stuff from a young age it was it was kind of always there um competitive art stuff it sounds
2: like (laughs) yeah
0: i mean
1: kind of like 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 normal (laughs) sibling you should
2: introduce yourself as a competitive artist now
0: (laughs) i love that as an origin story though what do you think would have happened if you had beaten her it like if 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 you had been in the same
1: range i don't i i don't even want to imagine i mean in all fairness she could draw a very good horse whereas i merely drew a pretty darn good horse for a random non-horse obsessed nine-year-old um she would have totally that was like her metier. Like she she was – that's part of why she was so angry. Like if only it had been the year of a horse one year earlier, she could have been <laughs> duly given the credit she, uh, you know, as such things go, genuinely deserved for her devotion to horse drawing. So um, – but I don't know. So like I, I, I grew up – like my family did music stuff. I, I got into visual art. I liked drawing stuff. I was a distractible kid. So drawing in my notebook is a good way to go. I got really obsessed with the Alien franchise as a kid, which I saw – aliens way too young um and then the xenomorph the alien i I love drawing those you know in middle school and whatnot i was drawing basketball players from the portland trailblazers the local team uh and selling them to a friend for like you know 50 cents a piece (laughs) Uh, that was my early art career really um and then i kind of you went professional early i like Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it was it was, it was it was a good hustle um they were bad drawings um but uh but no one else was selling drawings of the Portland Trailblazers by commission. So I, <laughs> I had the market cornered. Um, and yeah, I've gone on to do a lot of creative stuff. since, And I've kept doing graphic stuff. But like, I kind of have this sense that for a long time, primarily, I was a musician. Like That was my big creative outlet. And then there was other stuff around the edges, including sort of graphical stuff. But in 2016, 2017, really, I started like painting in earnest for the first time. Um and that was a big shift for me because I started like sort of instead of thinking like oh yeah I, I I can I can I can draw pretty good and and whatnot I started like actually trying to work on it and in a way where I was uncomfortable and it was sort of hard to figure out what I was doing you know and it took me many months to go from oh I'll fiddle around with plain t- painting and then maybe just stop to saying oh actually. There's whole ways of painting and ways of thinking about art that I really have a ton of baggage about that stopped me from getting into. you. Know, I never really thought about optical art and geometric art as kind of a valid way of painting. And sometime in early 2017, that sort of turned over for me. And I started thinking, oh, I actually, I can take this perfectly seriously. And I can try and paint around these ideas I have instead of having this idea that I have to just somehow zero to 60 become a – like." dutch master portraitist which wasn't going to happen um and then i started like really painting a lot and then i started doing stained glass and then i started doing linoleum cutting and and some watercolor and the last few years have been this huge huge focus on uh visual art for me that i really had never taken seriously before you know i'd never really like tried to be disciplined about it never really considered myself an artist with an A sort of thing Um, and that's kind of where I am now I'm a few years into that and I feel like I'm in a very different place than I used to be in terms of how I think about how I make art and how I sort of look at other people's art making and what all that what all that baggage I used to have about art uh, you know which of it I've managed to get rid of and which of it I'm still very much carrying around which is a very complicated thing and yeah so
2: where do you think that shift came from Uh, Um, were you inspired by other people or was it just like something in you you're just like all right it's time so do do you can you pinpoint that
1: it, it was a mix of things you know I mean I I've got a whole rant about being annoyed at people who try and like lapse into the ah but at least you got some good art about it about shitty stuff but you know it was 2016 2017 where this really was a thing for me and part of that was needing something to focus on in addition to all the Absolute horseshit going on with the Trump presidency and whatnot um so i mean i i had a need to focus on something, and you know that has been other things in the past too like i i I love video games i I do programming projects sometimes et cetera et cetera um but there was kind of a pressure to like what if I can put my head somewhere um but also it was definitely other people i mean I think the biggest thing for me was. Working on painting at first, casting around, really not knowing what the heck I was doing with oil paints, um, feeling disappointed that I wasn't suddenly spawning a skill set that I hadn't put any work into developing, um, and also feeling like, well, if I'm not doing still lifes, if I'm not making paintings that look like the paintings you see in the Western sections of museums, then, you know, if I'm not getting there, then, you know, what's the what the heck am I doing? And then talking with people about that, and people saying, well, I mean, you know, there's these whole genres, you know, there's there's this, you know, there's you know this minimalist stuff from the you know, 50s and 60s, and conceptual art and and op art, and you know, started pointing me to people and talking about how like you know paint the stuff that is interesting to you, and that's painting. It doesn't have to be portraiture. It doesn't have to be still lives. It doesn't have to be fruit in a bowl and landscapes. Um, and I was talking about that with like among other things, people from the xoxo community. You know, there's a visual arts channel on the xoxo Slack. Um, and that was really helpful. Like it was like hearing other people say, no, no, actually that's a bunch of, uh, baggage nonsense that, you know, you're following rules that don't exist, um, made a difference. Like it definitely, it made a huge difference to have other people saying, Hey, no, actually get outside of your head and do the thing that's interesting to you instead of the thing you think you're obligated by the history of art to do.
0: Do you think that the medium of oil could have played in as well? Cause that feels like such a serious real medium like if you're you know drawing or maybe even watercolor you feel like it's more of a i don't want to say playing but like something about oil feels so very like capital a art
1: yeah no that's like i think that is a big part of it and like i'm glad i got into oils because i actually really like them i like the way they smell i like the way they feel it's i've gotten to like the way that they are slow which has actually been a big change for me the last few years like developing patience about art making (laughs) um but there was definitely that's that's a big part of that baggage right like you know you talk about oil painting is there a bigger is is there a bigger capital a art than you know centuries old oil paintings that everybody knows and and that that's like the masterpieces and and i definitely got some of that bogged down when i first started out because like oh this is a this is a whole like history that like is what everybody thinks of when they decide whether or not something is art, you know, in the very blunt sort of poor terms of, you know, popular conceptions of art. Um, And yeah, I think if I'd started with something like watercolors or, or acrylics, maybe um, I might've had less of that baggage. It might've been easier to find where I wanted to go uh, but I don't know. Like it's it, it's hard to say. But the baggage is definitely there. That's one of the things I've really had to convince myself to not worry about is all those social uh, associations with the high mindedness and the mystique and and whatnot uh, associated, especially with oil painting.
0: How? Because you talked about you know op art and the the minimalist stuff. But how did you come to like this? very sort of very geometric themes that i think run through almost everything you do at least that i've seen yeah has that always been a thing or was it just that it you found it and it clicked
1: that's always been kind of a thing like 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 the math was there a long time before the art was in, in, in as far as the geometric art stuff like i've, I've always been a math nerd i would that was the other thing i did as a kid was be good at math essentially um, and I've always liked like pieces of math. Like this is one of the things about math is math is a huge broad subject. And, and I think a lot of people who aren't big into math have their own set of like social baggage and whatnot with it, which is totally understandable because usually when you find out you don't like math, it's in not great circumstances, like having a hard time in school, um, and I didn't have that experience particularly because I liked math as a kid. I, it, it clicked with me. I have a I have a real fascination with numeric sequences, with sort of pattern matching stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of math that I actually really don't care for. Like, I'm not antipathetic towards it. But, like, I'm bad at calculus. I've never really made a connection with calculus beyond the very basics. And calculus is kind of, like, central to a lot of higher mathematics and what, like, people who are doing professional math Uh, deal with. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm, I'm simultaneously very enthusiastic about math and sort of standing on the outside of a whole bunch of it when I try and get into stuff I'm enthusiastic about. But geometry, I always found really likable. I found like geometry has a very physical connection to the math you're doing. Like if you draw a square, you know, a square is a thing. It's a thing you can think about. It's a thing you can look at. You, You can manipulate it in ways that make sense tangibly. Um, and that, that as, a, as a kid, I always liked that. Like I, I've liked shapes and whatnot ever, ever since I first discovered geometry existed, really. Um, and that's kind of what happened with painting when I finally sort of found my footing was realizing, hey, I could take the fact that I really like geometry. I could take the fact that I really like manipulating shapes. I could take the intersection between this stuff that just sort of runs through my head and this stuff I'm putting on paper and like, make those two meet. Instead of thinking, okay, now I need to imagine another still life to figure out how to paint. I could say, well, what if I paint the thing I'm actually thinking about? What if I actually try and sort of like connect pieces that I already have instead of trying to go find some magical intersection in the distance that I suspect is there? Uh, And so I started drawing and painting, you know, Manger sponges and Sierpinski carpets and these other fractal objects that I'm really fond of and
0: I mean some of them are a form of of still life in that, you know, it's about light and perspective and yeah. proportion. So even yeah. if even if you haven't set up a cube on your on your <laughs> on your table.
1: Yeah, well and this is this is a thing like, I, I, have, I have made many paintings and, and other pieces of art uh, focused on uh, the Menger sponge and the Sierpinski carpet in particular, which are a couple of related kind of fractal objects that are basically squares with holes in them or cubes with holes in them. You know, it's got a specific pattern and there's some very interesting properties as you go out to infinity, but you can't really go out to infinity very easily on paper. So you kind of just suggest the form. Um you know, put a few holes in it, and sort of say, "Okay, well, we know what we're looking at, even though it's not, uh, you know, accurate, infinite mathematical rendering of it." Uh, but the nice thing about it is, it's a simple object, right? It's like, you know, it's it's a fancy cube, it's a fancy square, and the thing that I found that really unlocked things for me to some extent was realizing instead of having to think of what am I going to paint, what am I going to draw, um, I could say, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna paint a manger sponge." I've solved that problem. I have a subject. I know what I'm going to do. How am I going to do it? And that was a huge turning point for me in terms of like actually getting down to the business of painting was like erasing that impossible blank slate question. Like, you know, you're staring at the cursor. You're staring at the blank piece of paper. What are you going to do? It's like, well, I'm going to do a mango sponge. And, you know, I'll do that and I'll say, and what if I do it such that this kind of color thing is going on or this kind of texture thing? Or what if I try and do sort of like a, what if the lighting was over there? Or what if I kind of distort it this way? Or, or what if I use this kind of, what if I try and paint with, a, you know, a fine brush? Or what if I try and, you know, put the paint on roughly with a, a palette knife and... And I made a bunch of paintings in 2017 that were basically different manger sponges because I was able to get to work that way. I was, a- I was able to fool myself into just actually practicing and doing a thing instead of trying to think of the correct thing to try and do, if that makes sense.
0: That is mm-hmm. – mm-hmm. the, the- most brilliant thing i've ever heard i think at least at least <laughs> at least today cuz it feels like like when you're a kid you can definitely get stuck in the like oh what it's you know you ask your parents to tell you what to draw but then you can also just like draw horses over yeah. and over again and you never have to think about it cuz you can always draw more horses and then when you start to get older and or adult you feel like not just that you know you you should be well yeah like, like you should be you feel like you should be painting worthwhile things like there should be a point and maybe just you can't I don't know like like it feels like a lot of us feel the pressure to like paint a thing paint something that matters paint something that you've you know thought through or you know still lives because bananas are important and I just I I love that as a concept and not as a like, you know, this is my blue period or I will write a, a novel without using the letter E, but just like this is a thing I like. I can explore it in lots of different both mediums and also just literally, like, from different perspectives. Yeah.
1: And I mean I think I think that's you know it's tricky because like I think I think people almost have an inclination not to do that because it feels like repetition isn't the same thing as creativity. There's this sort of stigma to the idea that like well if you do the same thing multiple times, that's not really you're not really creating art at that point. You're you know just doing a thing. You know it's you know on the on the productive side it's sort of craft. On the more negatively you know stated side it's just repeating yourself, and that is like one of those pieces of baggage that I really had not even recognized and processed at all when I started doing uh, painting and some of the other more recent stuff. It's like, that's practice. That's doing a thing. That's, that's what literally everybody does. You know, you see a painting by one of the old masters, that's one of hundreds of paintings they made, and they started by making them and they kept making them. And if you think about that whole lot of landscapes and and portraits back then not a whole lot of variety in what people were doing and yet people aren't like ugh really a person And
0: I mean also a lot of them used just used the same face over and over again yeah,
1: yeah right you know like you like how many different water lily paintings did monet make it's there's nothing wrong with him it's something he liked doing and he did them and he did them a bunch and it worked well and because he's you know a dead famous painter everybody's like oh the water lilies and stuff like oh, yeah but it's just water lilies you know but, you don't have that stigma attached to an established body of work, but when you're just trying to make stuff, it's easy to get in your own head and be like, "Oh, but I've got to every time I've got to knock it out of the park. Every every piece of work needs to be a statement. Every idea needs to be a new idea, and that's just oh, it's poison. It's 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 setting such a high bar for something that like people who actually make the art you like don't set for themselves because they're busy actually making stuff. You know, it's 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 a trip. It's a whole it's a whole wild mental landscape that we set people up for navigating by the way we sort of mystify and, and make sacrosanct the art making process.
0: I, I just have to ask Tiff, are you as fascinated with this idea as I am or is this something oh, that no, everyone else completely. has thought of? No,
2: I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting here absorbing it all because it's uh it's absolutely true. Like all these concepts and all these misconceptions, it's, it's completely, in our wheelhouse here on the show, right? Like this is the kind of stuff that we talk around all the time. And um, I think it's, uh, it's fantastic to hear it from another perspective from someone who um, has moved past it and told everyone <laughs> to like, you know, shove
0: it a little bit. I'm going to do what <laughs> I want.
2: Right. <laughs> like,
0: And I would imagine also that, you know, even if you haven't technically practiced painting round shapes, you would still be better now at doing a bowl of fruit than you would have been then because you've thought about, again, shadow and perspective and, and right. all that stuff. And I mean, I don't and, know. Maybe maybe you're very bad at apples. I don't know.
1: Uh, I haven't tried an apple recently. I I would like I would like to try some more like realistic representational painting. I, I would like to like, you know, I don't really care about still lives per se, but I'd like to like try that a little bit more. I'd like to do portraiture more. Um and I'm still intimidated by it To It's is, is part of it. Like I was intimidated when I first tried it and it was unhappy with my initial results. And I haven't been trying that so much and I'm intimidated by it now, but I have been moving a brush with paint around a lot more. I've been drawing a lot more in sketching a lot more, you know, in support of, of, of projects I was working on. And, I do think I would be better at it now. And I think I'd be really satisfied to actually put my mind to it if I can get over that particular, still very much there hump of intimidation and just make myself work on that stuff for a while. Um, Because yeah, like several years of graphic artwork, it's gonna make a difference. It's gonna add up. Um, That's one of the things that like, like like for me, I I think part of it, the, the nice thing about just picking a subject and running with it and not torturing yourself over coming up with the idea is for me, that gets me into sort of an ideal space for, building up my skill set with something, which is to not think about it as practice. Um, and this, I, I learned to play guitar when I was 14 years old. I, I was on vacation and got a bad splinter in my heel the very first day of a week at a lake. And so I decided to you know sit around with my foot up, learning to play my uh, bio dad's guitar. Um, I feel like this and, is
0: another origin story that's a classic, kind of like you know, the weather was horrible, and then we wrote Frankenstein.
1: <laughs> well, instead, the weather was nice, but I was afraid to let someone go at my heel with a pocket knife to get the splinter out. So instead, I toughed out a week of not getting in the lake. Um, so it's it's a lot stupider than than Mary Shelley uh, stories. But it did lead to me playing guitar, and I've been making music ever since then. Um, but the thing for me with guitar is, like, I'm I'm not a very good technical guitarist. I'm not a very good technical piano player, even though I can play piano pretty well. I don't really have technical chops in almost any instrument I can play. Um, I can't sight read music. Um, I can decode music by eye if I really, really need to. Uh, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a very good musician. I will you know not be shy about saying I can make good music. I can write good songs. I can play instruments well. Uh, but all the things I got good at with music are things that I sort of did because I was enjoying it when I was doing it. You know, like I I learned to play the guitar mostly because I didn't think about it as practicing the guitar. I played clarinet in in grade school and I did not get good at it because the only time I played was during band class or at home practicing. And practicing scales was the worst thing in the world. It's just absolutely mind-numbingly terrible. Um, whereas sitting around, like, trying to figure out old classic rock songs that had three or four chords, well, I'm just having a good time. Oh, yeah, this this is fun. I'm doing this fun thing.
2: I get you Um, so viscerally. Oh, my God. Like, like this whole, I'm going to try this. Ooh, what's that over there? Ooh, I feel like doing this. I want to do this. Okay, I'm going to do this for this reason, but I'm not really going to get super good at any of it. (laughs) Yeah. I get you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's, that's the flip side of it is like, there is, I admire the crap out of people who actually can display that kind of discipline in training and developing a skill set like for the sake of developing the skill set you know because that is something I have a hard time with I have a really hard time with that kind of didactic discipline and there are things that I'm good at that I'm good at because I enjoy developing a skill set and there are things that I'm not as good at as I feel like I could or should I the word should is tricky but you know there's things i'm not as good at as i'm, could I'm be. hearing
0: like a teacher behind you
1: ghost saying if only you applied yourself which <laughs> i think all of us have a little bit like i've got i've got i've got that i've got that disappointed teacher in my head who's like well you know and yet you still can't like knock off a good you know landscape comfortably because you've never like done the darn work you didn't do your homework there um so that's so all it's like, boring stuff, though. <laughs> I know, right? You know, and like, so there's a, a mixture of like, I have a huge amount of admiration for that and at times a degree of regret that I'm not better at that discipline, but also I'm a lot happier when I'm happy than when I'm forcing myself to do something that I find unpleasant because in theory it will have a payoff afterwards. And it's tricky. Like, you know, there's, that's a balancing act. Like I don't, I'm not as good at some things that I would like to be good at because I haven't forced myself to do them against my will and against my sense of enjoyment and motivation. And that's like, that's, what
0: What would you like to be good at? Um, like I really I, w- landscapes? I don't know if landscapes were a joking example or a true well, example. I, I don't, I don't really,
1: I don't really care about landscapes. I'm not, I'm not against them, but I've never been motivated to paint them. And I've never been motivated to paint bowls of fruit. Um, I would like to be good at portraiture. I would like to be able to put together confidently a good likeness of someone um, In a way that, like, I can—I've done some self-portraits. They've—they've gotten better. I'm kind of terrified to do portraits of anyone else because, like, if I look at a drawing of myself that I made and I see what's wrong with them, I'm like, oh well, yeah, I got got the nose wrong. If I make a drawing of someone else and I see what's wrong with them, I'm like, oh my god, what the hell have I just done to them? You know. (laughs) So I've—I've not done that, like, basically at all. Um, I would like to be better at some of the more complicated oil techniques that I know exist and are part of like the long history of, you know, oil painting. You know mixing and and use of mediums and glazing and uh really effective use of uh light and darkness and skin tones and like there's a lot of stuff that comes into portraiture in particular that like I would love to develop that skill set and I also keep not wanting to develop that skill set you know
0: so speaking of of jumping from thing to thing, how do you like either find or decide on trying new mediums like lino cutting or glass
1: um I don't know exactly. I uh,
0: it, it like it I mean you are like fitting right in here so I'm not yeah, right, right, like right. we don't
1: know either why we do the things we do. Yeah. <laughs> like like the, the the oil so so like here's the weird different origin stories of several media that I've gotten into the last few years. Uh oil painting started because I was repainting my home office in summer 2016 and cleared out the whole office and painted the walls and my wife was like you should draw or paint something on the walls. i was like okay and I painted a giant manger sponge um that is still on my wall i'm very pleased with it uh, my my big paint can easel is standing in front of it so i don't actually see it most of the time but it was a big project it was satisfying i spent a long weekend doing this big old mural on my wall of this mathy object i liked and uh and then I was like, oh well, what if I do a little one on canvas? And I'm still using the same latex house paint that I was using for the walls to paint on this little six-inch by six-inch canvas, a little manger sponge. And I was like, this is not a very good painting medium. This is not what latex paint was made for, especially. It gets clumpy, it's hard to get the lines right. Um and so my wife was like, hey, well, what if what if we just go to the art store and we'll get some paints? And so I went to the art store and I I bought like red, yellow, and blue student oil paints and brought them home and then immediately established that oh i actually need a little bit more than just three tubes of paint and a brush to make this work and so i did a little bit of reading about oil painting and i went back to the art store and bought a white and a black and some other like material stuff and sat down and and worked on it some more and did a very bad painting of a manger sponge in uh oils which i still have and and adore and uh and then i did some more reading and then i sort of got into it and then i spent that next several months trying to figure out oil painting with a whole pile of baggage and then and then talking to people and learning about sort of like the history of some of this more geometric and optical art you know started making the actual paintings I wanted to be making essentially um, so that was just like it was a weird chain of events right like it was a it was a whim and a trip to the art store and what the heck and oh I don't know what the hell I'm doing and then I sort of figured out what I was doing. Um,
2: it seems like you um, go about the creative process the same way I do, whereas you learn about it when you have a problem. Like, oh, I've reached, <laughs> I reached a point where I need to know how to do something. Let me go look up that one tiny little thing. Yeah. Okay, now I know how to do that. And I'll go back and, like, and then I, I do something until it
0: gets to the point where it's like, oop, now I need to know another thing.
1: Like, exactly, yeah. <laughs> let me go I find
0: don't... that one thing. And getting to the different sort of fail points where you need to go find a <laughs> tutorial for the game. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, like you try yeah. it
2: yourself until you reach a fail point and then you go and and you get that little tiny bit of research and then you're like, "Okay, now I'm ready to go again."
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot of patience for like reading up front. I'd rather sort of like get going on the thing cuz I'm much happier when I've actually got my hands in motion.
2: Yeah, there are some um, people that just like to learn the craft like from start to finish and I'm like, well, yeah. "I can't do that."
1: <laughs> well, and I'm also very, I'm I'm I've, for sort of related reasons, I'm also, I've always been bad at taking classes. And so I started doing staying glass a few years ago. And that was because my wife was like, Hey, remember that woman we met at that art fair last summer well she teaches stained glass classes why don't you take a stained glass class i was like i don't know about taking classes which is a weird hang up of mine like it's not take classes classes are great like that's my message here uh but i signed up for this and went and she's like a neighbor who lives a few blocks away and she's got a nice stained glass workshop and i spent six weeks making a stained glass window and i really really enjoyed it like i went in thinking oh this will be interesting and i came up like i'm making stained glass now um (laughs) And it was like oh, okay, and and so like that was a t- t- that was that thing completely outside of my comfort zone. media I didn't know anything about, but like it was a great learning experience um and then Linocut cut was just like i I always liked the idea, and I've always liked the idea of like sort of pen and ink illustration, but I've never really felt comfortable with it and I'd done a little tiny bit of Linocut cut like fifteen years ago, um and then I stabbed myself in the thumb with the gouge, and then I was <laughs> like,, hey, maybe I won't do this um." This time I bought actual safety equipment and, you know, went to that art store again, which this art store being in the neighborhood is kind of the story for some of this because like, oh, I go to the art store and see what they have. And it became a very natural way to sort of explore the very beginnings of any given medium. Um, and then, yeah, that, that, that then we had a pandemic. And so I got better at Linoka because like I bought up supplies <laughs> and I had this and it was a new idea. And. And, and yeah, I like it's, and now I'm doing plotter stuff. I bought a plotter a month ago and I'm doing, you know, computer driven math based drawings that are very much in my wheelhouse. And that was just because I'd been watching other people make plotter drawings the last few years on Twitter and Instagram and loved everything I saw. I was like, Oh, I could do that, but I'd have to buy a plotter. And I was like, well, what if I buy a plotter? And, and, uh, it turns out I really like making stuff with a plotter too. So, um, but like everything, everything was different. Like it was like there was a moment or a situation. I was like, oh okay, well you know I I don't I don't have a method for getting these. I just like I'm gonna get excited, and if I don't run into a brick wall, I'm gonna stay excited.
0: <laughs> so with the, with the stained glass, because you said that you made a, a window in in that class, did you think then that like well obviously I'm gonna make geometric stuff, uh, or did you think well I'll do like the classic stuff? Because you also make I, I want to say almost 4D, but you made like 3D. oh yeah things
1: as well so um funny story the first thing i did when i made a stained glass piece was i made a manger sponge because hey that i've got the subject figured out um and it still remains one of my favorite pieces of stained glass i've made because i was using the entire class library of my teacher instead of like what i was sourcing myself so it's like 30 different colors of glass and it is beautiful um just like the, the glass itself is just like what great material to work with um but yeah, I kind of started doing geometric stuff and I've done a couple things that are non-geometric, but like most of it is really that same geometric forms that I like because it's a new way to play with them, um, you know, play with sort of like color and light and the suggestion of depth. And then, yeah, I started making, I've made some three dimensional objects with stained glass, which when I first took the class, I'd never even considered like a kind of knew in a sense that lamps exist, but, uh you know, then Tiffany lamps. Um, as you were saying in the, in the naming episode, the, the pros and the cons there, um, (laughs) it's
2: a blessing and a curse.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But the idea that I could just arbitrarily make a 3d object out of glass hadn't really occurred to me until I'd taken the class and talked to my, my teacher about it a little bit. And it's like, Oh yeah, no, you could just hold things at an angle and then it'll, you know, be three dimensional. And so I've messed with that a little bit and I want to mess with it more. It's complicated. It's interestingly complicated in a variety of ways. Um, And it's the sort of thing that probably I could benefit from like taking a class or a workshop from someone who like does that specific sort of thing, but I haven't gotten around to that. None of them are conveniently my neighbor. So Um, (laughs) I really love
0: this idea of like your neighbor and the neighborhood art store. And like, you just need to, it it feels kind of very sort of Portland stereotype (laughs) that just like you have everything accessible. Um, But I really like that. Do you, do you have a favorite medium or is it just like this is the thing I'm excited about this week? And then it kind it, of rotates?
1: Yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, I I really find painting satisfying physically um, in a way that I think may sort of win out among everything. Like there's something uh, there's a lot of textural stuff like like literally the smell of the paint and the process of working around the canvas feels good it's also hard i've got a like rotator cuff thing in my right shoulder which is my dominant hand so that's a kind of balancing and limiting thing and i like painting big and the bigger it is the more i'm reaching and the more it's going to you know mess with my shoulder uh but i really like it 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 feels it feels very full of possibility like to some extent the fact that i know there's so much i don't know about painting um makes it feel sort of exciting um, and just it's kind of a visceral medium. Um, I really like some parts of making stained glass. I'm curious about this, Tiff. Actually, as far as like which parts you do and don't like uh, with stained glass, because I definitely have the parts I like and the parts I don't. Um, and unfortunately, most of the parts I don't come later in the process. <laughs> so like I do the fun part with the design and and some of the initial glass cutting, and then everything else is uh, now I need to do a bunch of work. Um,
2: Oh, I love the monotony. I love just like the boring, like wrapping of the copper tape. It's so great. you like foiling? I do. I I love foiling. I've talked
1: to a bunch of people who love foiling and I don't. (laughs) I'm like, no, please, no. Oh,
2: it's so zen. It's so zen. And then you put them all together and they all have their little shiny outline. Oh, it's so good. And then I love love love. soldering. I love soldering so much. I love getting that perfect sweet sweet bead oh it's so good
1: I think I think I will love soldering more if I get better at it as it is I feel like I feel keenly aware that I'm not doing uh, as good of a job with it as I would like when I'm doing it and that's if I could get to that point where it's just like it's just flowing like real flow state then Ooh, you know then, then I would really love it but uh, I like soldering I don't like I don't like grinding and I don't like foiling you know the thing about foiling is you're taking this um, and Julia, I don't know if you've ever like been firsthand with like the foiling process when it's happening, but you're taking a thin tape of of copper with adhesive on one side, and you're putting it against a thin edge of glass, like you know, an eighth of an inch thick, and then you're balancing it the whole way all the way around a pos- around a possibly undulating sheet of glass, trying to make sure there's always exactly a sixteenth to a thirty second of an inch of tape on both sides, and it's so precise and it's low stakes.
2: Wait, wait why don't you have a foiler?
1: <laughs> because I, I don't have a foiler um oh, dude, i should you, probably look into it um, It just
2: <laughs> you just roll it down just it it takes all the guesswork out of making it even and it just it becomes should, like sh- a zen I, thing
1: i should really look into it i think that's probably a big yes. part of it um but uh that's not how i learned and i didn't have one so
2: <laughs> oh yeah i started out without one and everything's all squidgy and like there's you know yeah. a little bit on this side a little bit on that side i unstick yeah. it 50 times and the adhesive is off and then i had to throw that whole piece away and start again now i just line it up i go zoop 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 and i like spin it around the little wheel and it's on and then i just have to like burnish the whole thing which is um, a fancy uh, word for pushing it down really hard yes
1: (laughs) i should get myself a a, a, a foiler i think it's one of the things i'm taking away from this discussion yeah Um, it it really does the whole
2: process a lot faster and much 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 more enjoyable
1: (laughs) What I what the other thing I would like to get you know and need to justify with needing to use it enough is uh, one of those glass saws like the, the yes I room. just got one it's so good oh my god it's uh, so good it seems so fantastic like I don't I don't mind I actually kind of enjoy the cutting and breaking part of glass but like grinding everything and dealing with the delicate bits that are error prone and you might have to do two or three times well if you're uh, doing
2: geometric stuff now okay welcome to the last talk okay so like if you're doing the geometric <laughs> stuff you're probably better off with a grinder and just breaking because yeah it's nice and straight where yeah. Yeah. I don't do anything straight like everything I do is curvy so like yeah. sometimes getting the little tiny details in with the saw that's what's helpful
1: yeah well and I, th- I think part of it is like that has just des- that has determined some of my design process like I tend to design towards what I know is going to work versus not work very well mm. and there are more more free form and more delicate things I would do if I didn't sort of blanch at the difficulty of doing the whole process uh, the sort of old-fashioned way versus being able to quickly get sort of complicated, delicate curves out of a piece by using a, a saw. So some someday, someday that will be a thing I will go for Um But yeah, tools. Tools. That's a thing. That's a thing that matters is having good tools. I mentioned the clarinet thing. I was bad at clarinet as a kid. I also had, it turns out, a terrible clarinet. I found this out in college when a friend of mine who also played clarinet in school brought his clarinet out and he had a nice $2,000 clarinet and I played it having not played the clarinet in 10 years and sounded better than I ever had because he didn't have a piece of crap clarinet that had been handed down in the family over <laughs> years and uh you know same thing i i've probably did some painting earlier in life with crappy like like gen, there's nothing wrong with student materials but like there's crappy materials and i'm sure i have done some art stuff as a as a kid and in my 20s with crappy materials and thought oh well i don't really like this it's hard and it's crappy whereas if i'd had like a nice brush and nice paint i was like oh this is what it feels like when you're actually painting oh okay it's amazing um,
2: what you can accomplish when you're not fighting yeah, your tools right <laughs> exactly and it's
1: it's hard to know cuz like if you don't know what is a good and bad you know tool then how would you be able to determine that and you know it's also availability you may not have access to great stuff it may be too expensive to create stuff um so like there's definitely a it's not the solution to everything you know you're not always going to be able to know that you have a bad tool you aren't able always able to have access to the best tools you want but man i think a lot of the time people end up working with the crappy low end stuff instead of the perfectly good low end stuff and getting discouraged because of that and I don't even have any advice or solution for that. I just, I hate that that is an element of the bad experiences people have when they're exploring art stuff sometimes.
0: What would you like to make your, your sponges in that you haven't tried yet?
1: Oh, you know, that's an interesting question. I would enjoy having done some, like, large-scale metal work, like doing, like, welding steelwork type stuff like i like the idea of that i have never even tried to learn about it i have one friend who did some welding in the last couple years and i I found that exciting uh second hand uh but i would i would like that like i like the idea of making things that are big structurally i mean welding Um, is like big soldering yeah kind of right it is Uh, yeah it's (laughs) like big dangerous almost gonna blind you soldering. yeah like it's fun. yeah but it, it it's funny, this, this, uh, this is a whole side conversation that I probably should totally get into, but I, I like the fact that every art form has not only its like interesting parts and its boring parts, and who finds what boring and interesting varies from person to person, but there's also very diff- distinct aspects of which part of this is going to harm and or kill you. Um, that seems to vary, you know, from every single thing. And that's I love glassblowing as a thing that exists. I've enjoyed watching blown away the the couple seasons of that have come out on <laughs> <Us> Netflix. <too. laughs> um Yeah, yeah, you guys have talking about. Um but uh I don't want to do glass blowing. Like that everything about it seems physically unpleasant and scary to me, honestly. Like I probably would never end up sucking in a lung full of hot air and scalding my lungs and, and whatnot, but I would certainly like burn myself and be unhappy with that. Like just in small ways. Like like not horrible injuries, but even like and I don't want to be not Super hot place a whole bunch and sweating constantly and being super worried at every turn that something's going to go wrong. Like, it just seems like a nightmare to do. Like, I don't want to do that. Whereas soldering, you know, I'm going to burn myself with my soldering iron at some point. I'm going to like sneeze or, or, or switch up my hands. And then I'll have like a little burn on my hand. I'll be like, damn it, that hurt. And that's about as bad as it's going to get. I've, I've cut myself doing glass stuff, but there, you know, I haven't like cut the carotid artery or anything. Like, it's like, yeah, okay. You know, painting, I get a sore arm uh lino cut i i am gonna occasionally gouge myself a little bit if i'm lazy where i'm putting my knives while i'm carving but but none of them are gonna kill me
0: what have you tried that you like just put down or was like no no not for me
1: that's a good question and like for me it's kind of like what have i tried and not suppress the memory of failing (laughs) (laughs) um because I know there's things, I know there's stuff that I've tried and been like, "Yeah, this wasn't really my thing," uh, but I, I tend to be so motivated by getting excited about something that like I will, somewhat to my my personal disappointment in myself, like really flush out hard on something if it really doesn't hit me right away, um, to the point where it's it's honestly those things are not top of mind because like I've just. I walked away at high speed rather than saying, Oh, well, maybe I'll come back to that. Like emotionally, I was like, that's gotta that's gotta go. That's gotta definitely just not be in my field of view because I wasn't good at it immediately. Um Absolutely
0: is- can't relate. <laughs> yeah, nope, nope, right? I have no yes. idea what you're talking about. I don't have those same feelings at all. If I'm bad at something, I power through and practice, practice, practice. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Cause you talked about how your wife was Either supportive or or tired of you being bored. I don't know. Uh, But because she's a a textile artist. So uh, have you taken on any of of those things? I want to say I've seen you weave something. Yeah.
1: So that's actually a good example. Um, I have done a little bit of crochet and a little bit of knitting and neither of them stuck for me. And it's not that... I didn't like the idea or in principle like the process, but it just it didn't immediately click. And so I wasn't driven to like dive in like I would like to get more facile at uh, lots of texture like in fiber art stuff, uh, textile. Um, I I would like to be able to knit without thinking too hard about it. I would like to be able to crochet, uh, but I don't have any like crochet and knitting Projects I'm excited about or ideas about it or something that's motivating me to forget that I'm teaching myself a skill. And so it hasn't really happened. Um, Whereas the weaving stuff kind of fits my brain a little bit better. And uh, Angela got a floor loom uh, a year or two ago just wonderful chance situation where someone was getting rid of one of their extra looms because they were moving to a smaller house. So she got a great deal on a floor loom and she's been digging in on that and she's been making really cool stuff. And she got a little smaller table loom recently and this weaving stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Patterns. And there's combinatorics here. And so I've done a little bit of like messing around on her loom, but I haven't tackled a project. Uh, But that, that is something that I would like to uh, sort of find my way on. And I, I have learned more about that process than I would have on my own if I wasn't doing it just by helping her out with like, like stringing up the loom and and balancing the harnesses. And there's all these little details that are sort of fascinating, even if I'm not personally excited about that part. Like those are going to be the parts that I find annoying, like Actually, putting a warp on a loom sounds like just oh uh, god, but it's what you have to do. Kind of the same way, it's like, well, I guess I gotta foil everything, and I guess I gotta solder everything. You know, it's like, <laughs> you, you, it's important to me that I be excited enough about the parts of the process that I like that I can just sort of like plow through the parts that I, I'm not excited about. Um, I at some see point, you just I'll get like, there.
0: Just you just keep weaving, and your thing is just like eighty bajillion miles long because you're just like, I like the weaving part, <laughs> I don't like the setting up part.
1: Yeah. well, I, I think that's exactly it. I would definitely go for like a thin long thing so it takes less time to put the warp on and I can get more uh weave out of it. I'm going to make the the thinnest longest table runners you've ever seen full of geometric patterns. Uh, I
0: mean, I I I'm here for that. <laughs> uh I think we're going to start to wrap up, but I wanted to like ask if if there's anything that you've made that you really want our listeners to to see and and applaud.
1: Um <sighs> i actually i i love all my babies um and i'm excited about whatever i'm doing at any given time so like the last month really has been a lot of generative artwork plotter drawings um but actually i kind of i want to go omnibus with it and say like i recently got around to revamping and updating my art website it's just art.joshmillard.com um which i had started up when i was painting a few years ago and then sort of neglected and now it's got kind of everything ish from the last several years of graphic art um organized by media type and roughly chronologically and it feels really good to have that it really it's nice to have a place where everything is um
0: do you put everything up?
1: I do. Uh I'm I'm kind of a compulsive poster and archiver <laughs> about stuff. Um so I tend to like share in real time when I'm working on something you know I'll post process stuff on Twitter and Instagram and then yeah I'm trying to get sort of everything up on this site as sort of like a running catalog of work you know uh which is actually in a way kind of liberating because instead of saying like is this good enough to show and trying to decide which stuff is and is not it's kind of like hey this is a finished thing I didn't abandon it halfway through because it had gone terribly wrong so it goes on the site you know it goes up there this is work I made you know this is not This is not a document of how I'm always making the best work I've ever made. It's a document of what I'm making, like, you know, and, uh, so in that sense, it's really, it's really kind of satisfying and simplifies my thought processes because it gets rid of that sort of, I need to judge whether this is good enough, you know, thing. And so it's like, nope, this is, this is the record. This is, this is the work. And this is the record of the making of the work, um, which is very liberating. I'll,
0: I'll try to be more inspired by that, um, but that also means that I have to finish things. So Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you don't
1: have to. Um, I've definitely, <laughs> I really I really enjoy documenting work as I go and sharing it with people, partly because it's nice to have a little bit of involvement when I'm doing something that's otherwise kind of a solo isolated activity. Like if, if I'm at home making art, I'm not really interacting with people. But if I share like, oh, here's where I am, here's an idea I had, here's the state of this, as I go on Twitter, people can sort of see that and respond to it. And so I get some immediate satisfaction and instant gratification but also I found that people really really like seeing process and they like seeing mistakes and they like seeing a thought process and not just a finished product like that is one of the big things I will say that I've taken from the last few years of making art is I have a much more thorough appreciation of the idea of documenting process and the idea that art is something that can exist as a whole visible public process rather than this thing that is a black box that you know starving artists working alone dramatically generate finished works out of like that's that benefits no one it's great for narratives it's great for movies it's lousy for people who might otherwise want to make art cuz they never see that art is something that takes every little step and every little misstep and every little like oh what if and disappointment and oh ideas it comes along like that is so much like internally that's what I get out of art is like this whole process of making it. And I would rather like everybody experience that and see that they too can like find their way one stupid little step at a time rather than like having some genius moment off screen as like, that's what art is, that's how art works. That's that's why everybody can make art because it's not a magical thing. It's, it's just doing a thing and it's trying a thing and it's failing at a thing and, and you know, taking it one step at a time, so.
0: What a beautiful way to, to end. Basically, yeah. you're telling people to make and do, right? Make and do.
1: Making and doing are the key parts of the process. So if you
2: would like to go and see Josh's making and doing, um, you can go find all of our links to Josh's stuff um, over at our show notes at relay.fm slash do. We are makedopod on Twitter and Instagram if you want to tell us what a fantastic guest Josh was, because thank you so much for sharing all of your insights and... um Um, Wow, I don't relate to any of it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So our email is makedupod at gmail.com. You can go and find us individually at Tiff Arment and at Julia Scott, S-K-O-T-T. And until then, we will be back in a fortnight. And um, like Josh said, just get out there, make and do. And
1: share. Yes. Tell me all about it.